Welcome to Guidepost, a new podcast series on all things CRISPR and genome editing from the publishers of the CRISPR Journal. Hello, I'm Kevin Davis, executive editor of the CRISPR Journal. Thanks for joining me. On this episode of Guidepost, my conversation with Adam Bolt, the director of Human Nature, a new full-length documentary on the story of CRISPR. This episode of Guidepost is brought to you by Synthego Corporation. Increasing accessibility to CRISPR through its portfolio of engineered cells, products, and CRISPR kits. Learn more at synthego.com. CRISPR has already arrived on the big screen, taking on Dwayne Johnson in Rampage and losing, of course. But a much more illuminating film debuted earlier this year at South by Southwest. Human Nature is a full-length documentary film that tells the story of CRISPR, its origins, applications, and potential ramifications, featuring interviews with some 20 experts in the field, including Jennifer Doudner, Rodolf Barangu, the chief editor of the CRISPR Journal, and Fyodor Urnov. The film, which is produced by Elliot Kirshner and Dan Rather, marks the directorial debut of Adam Bolt, an award-winning film editor, for his work on the documentary Inside Job about 10 years ago. I travelled to Brooklyn recently to visit Adam in his editing studio to hear the real story behind the film. Adam Bolt, welcome to Guidepost. Thank you. Uh, I've had a chance to see a preview of Human Nature, the documentary that you've directed uh, and are currently showing it at various film festivals on the history and applications of CRISPR. It's a phenomenal film and we look forward to talking about uh, uh, how it was made and uh, what, your, what your goals and hopes and aspirations for the film are. Your resume, kind of, I think the thing you're best known for to this point, at least, was that you were the award-winning film editor for Inside Job, which is a yes. very different... Uh, very different uh, film. Different yeah. film. So is there a kind of a, a theme to your work or a connection, or you just find interesting stories and jump on them? I don't know if I've ever consciously had a theme. Um, but when I look back on projects that I've been involved with, I yeah. think I'm interested in complicated topics, things that are fairly technical, uh-huh. things that maybe, you know, when they're covered in the the mainstream media, some of the nitty gritty details yeah. and nuances get glossed over yeah. because, you know, knowing about, you know, in, in the case of Inside Job, which is about the financial crisis yeah. in, in 2008, you know, Lehman Brothers and all that. Yeah. You know, the details of all these derivatives and collateralized debt obligations, these financial instruments that they were working with. It's technical. It's easy to get confused with the terminology. And so, you know, yeah. the general public can have a hard time being part of those conversations. And certainly genetic engineering, genomics, CRISPR, you know, it's, it's, it's a similar thing, I think, where yeah. people's understanding, if you look at the way, you know, something like genetics and, you know, the idea of, you know, a gene and how it relates to the actual characteristic that an organism has mm-hmm. in the mainstream media, that's covered in a very simplistic way, you yeah. know, like as if one gene can make you, yes. uh, you know, have a, have a certain kind of personality yeah. or something. And, yeah. and a lot of the fact that this is as an association and there's a constellation yeah. of genes and traits those details get lost. So I like, yeah. back to your question, yeah. I think I just like things where I can kind of wade into all that interesting yeah. science or whatever it is and help people navigate it. You are the editor of Inside Job, but is it like with actors who always aspire to be directors? Is that true of uh, film editors as well? 
I don't know. I don't know if it's um, common to to all film editors, but I've definitely wanted to direct for yeah. quite a while. And <laughs> I feel like I try to do projects where I get to kind of dip my toe in a new part of the filmmaking yeah. process. Yeah. So directing is just another way of making, you know, yeah. So you're not a scientist by no. training. So how did you no. get in, interested in CRISPR and decide that this was the film you wanted to make? So... The idea of making a film about CRISPR was not my idea. Um, Our executive producer, Elliot Kirshner, who's been a a colleague of mine for a long time, came up with the idea and kind of roped me into this. But kind of the bigger backstory is that he's been spearheading kind of a a group out in San Francisco that's trying to, you know, kind of bring some innovation to the way science is communicated in the mainstream, kind of touching on some of the things we were just talking about. So basically we had, Elliot and I had been talking for a while about making some innovative projects in the science space. Um, And I've always been a nerd and, you know, I read books like A Brief History of Time. And I don't know if I read Selfish Gene when I was in high school, but those kinds of books, you know, popular science books that kind of delved into really interesting areas of cutting edge Mm -hmm. research. So we were interested in, in making a film and he brought the idea of CRISPR as a topic mm. to me, mm. um, I'd heard of it from another great, from uh, Radiolab had oh, done yes. a fantastic yeah. piece on it pretty yeah. early yeah. on. That was where I first heard about it. Okay. And so I knew it was like fascinating science yeah. and fascinating, you know, all the fascinating ethical, philosophical, yeah. existential questions that are there pretty immediately. It was pretty easy to get excited about CRISPR. And was it always going to be a full-length documentary, or did that idea... That evolved as well, yeah. So originally it was going to be 20 or 30 minutes, something maybe we would just release online. Right. And then early in the process of developing it, we gathered together a group of, you know, some of the top people who were working on CRISPR from different vantage points. Rodolphe Berengu. Right who's one of the discoverers, um, Jennifer Doudna, another key discoverer of CRISPR and who kind of developed the technology side of it. Yeah. Took a big step there, as everyone knows, I'm sure. Um, George Church, who's really has some far reaching ideas about where not just CRISPR, but genetics in general might be heading. Um, And George Daly, who's now the dean of Harvard Medical School, but really, you know, he's a physician scientist. He has his own lab. He does a lot of clinical work and, you know, really looks at the medical side of these technologies. So we brought all those people together to just kind of get the world's best briefing on CRISPR and walked out of that convinced that this wasn't going to fit into 30 minutes or 20 minutes. Right. Another very notable name associated with this project uh, who we've not touched on yet is Dan Rather. What's the connection there? Well, so um, I mentioned Elliot Kirshner, yeah. our executive producer, and uh, he's worked with Dan for a long, long time, okay. um, more than a decade. I don't mm-hmm. know how long. And I had worked with Elliot and Dan, you know, not to the top of the totem pole there. I was a little, <laughs> I was an editor at, at one of their shows okay. for a little while. So I knew Elliot through that and I'd met Dan. Nice. And another project that Elliot was working on with Dan was a series of interviews with scientists. I mean, Dan is an amazing interviewer and it was, you know, they had this idea of interviewing like bench scientists and, you know, like people who were famous in the scientific world, but were really doing basic science sometimes, Mm -hmm. not just, you know, focusing on something that has some immediate medical cure, kind of like great interviews with real 
working scientists. Yeah. Um, and they did one with Jennifer Doudna early in the CRISPR days. And I think that's part of where this idea right. of doing a film about it emerged. So right. Elliot and Dan, you know, were already locked right. in on that. How would you describe this? I guess it's a hundred minutes in total. Oh. What's the, the, the arc of the, uh, and, and aim of the film? How would you summarize it? That's a surprisingly difficult question. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like if I could summarize it, I wouldn't have made a film because <laughs> you know, the film took three years to make. And that's kind wow. of like yeah. saying what I felt we had to say about right. CRISPR. But I guess the story of the discovery of CRISPR yeah. is a big part of the film, yeah. which is a fantastic story. Yeah. Almost like it could be out of science fiction, these yeah. weird patterns in DNA. Yeah. And then, you know, it turns out these patterns are actually part of this yeah. incredible biological system yeah. and being able to harness that. It's, it's really cool science. And it's this cool story of kind of a baton getting handed over a lo pretty long time yes. between different scientists who yeah. kind of kept this CRISPR, you know, what is this CRISPR thing? Yeah. Um, until eventually yeah. people realized the potential of it. So that's a big part of the film. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we kind of follow the ripple effect of that discovery mm -hmm. in terms of how it's likely to mm -hmm. impact medicine. You know, a lot of the film is about the human applications and mm -hmm. this question of germline editing, which is really, I think, the thing that's the watershed yes. ethical piece with CRISPR is this is really the first time that, you know, you could think of editing the DNA of yeah. future generations. Yeah. And so we wrestle with all the implications right. of that. And then we try to pull back and also kind of give yeah. a larger historical view. The film was definitely more than CRISPR. I was struck as I watched it the one time that... Um, I don't think you mentioned the word CRISPR until the chapter two yes. of the seven chapters in the film. And then at the tail end of the film, you start bringing in some uh, other researchers and investigators who are not, to my knowledge, working on CRISPR, but are thinking about, as you say, issues around germline uh, selection, yes. embryo selection, and things of that sort. So it's bigger than just CRISPR. Yeah, we kind of decided to dive into the cutting edge of reproductive technology as it's yeah. currently widely available. Yeah. So, you know, CRISPR isn't yet something you can go to your IVF doctor yeah. and ask to have certain genes edited in, you know, yeah. one of the embryos. People are thinking about that, but you can't, that's not out there yet. So we looked at, well, what is out there in terms of genetic testing yeah. for future offspring and that right. kind of thing that might help you understand where CRISPR would fit into that. Yeah. You know, when, when you write a book, you frame it out and then you give it to your editor and your editor takes a big red pen and just absolutely destroys <laughs> it. And I'm curious whether three years in the making, the finished product of human nature, how close is it to what you originally set out to make? Were there any financial or artistic or commercial compromises that you had to make yeah. from what we can see now? Well, luckily, we didn't have to make any commercial compromises. I think we thought a lot about who the audience for the film was, and we want it to be yeah. a film for anybody, yeah. anybody who's interested in this stuff. So yeah. it's not for a scientific audience or a highly technical audience. Although I think scientists will love the film too yeah. and just recognize a lot about the world of science yeah. and how science happens that isn't often captured. Yeah. But we wanted it to be a you know, commercially successful film, hopefully just because 
you want a big audience when right. you put this much effort into making sure. something, right? But in terms of what we thought was important to communicate, yeah. uh, we didn't really have to compromise okay. at all, which was fantastic. Right. But, you know, back to your point about a book and editing a book, you know, the kind of twists and turns in the journey were, yeah. you know, from the initial idea of a 20-minute yeah. piece for the internet yeah. to this pretty far-ranging yeah. look at biotechnology now yeah. and where it might be heading. Yeah. Um, it was a crazy journey. Yeah. You call the film Human Nature. Is there a story behind the title? <sighs> I don't know that there's a great story. It just sort of, you know, early on, we got interested in, you know, this larger question of, you know, what's natural? Because that's always part of these debates, you know, if we're changing... Mm. The DNA of a plant is that natural, and certainly if we're, you know, changing the DNA of a person, is that natural? But yet, of course, you know, vaccines that have saved tens of millions of lives or hundreds of millions of lives, whatever it is, you know, is that natural? Well, you know, not really. But right. then it doesn't mean it's not something we want to do. Right. But then things have unintended consequences. So, you know, this kind of tension between this idea of the things that humans do that are sort of supposedly yeah. separate from the natural world and, yeah. and what is natural was interesting yeah. from the beginning. I was struck in the film that you interviewed and we spent time with virtually, I don't want to say every big name in the, in the annals of CRISPR, as short as they are, but um, many familiar names serving to this audience uh, show up. But yeah. you open the film with this grainy black and white footage from 1966, I think, of yes. Robert Sinsheimer giving a black tie. Was it black tie? I, mean, I think it was. Yeah. He's giving this speech. That is not how I imagined this film would open. And yet it is such a poignant, forward-looking poem almost. Yeah. It's really a very, it really gets you. Yeah, I love that clip. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a pretty late discovery. Uh -huh. Well, in a weird way, it was a late addition to the film. Uh -huh. It was actually a clip that I had come across in another documentary from the 1960s. Uh, like wow. a, there was this BBC series called, I believe it was called Towards Tomorrow. Okay. In a weird way, it was kind of the equivalent of what our film is now, mm. but you know, 50, 60 years ago, yeah. here's, you know, this whole new field of genetics yeah. and people could already see some of the potential consequences. Yeah. And this clip that you're talking about is is Robert Sinsheimer giving kind of a speech addressing this question of where is biological science going to yeah. take us in the next century, kind yeah. of, you know. And there was just a short clip of it in this other documentary. And yeah. eventually our associate producer, Harry, tracked down the original full speech, which is just part of us. We just wanted to, we were like, okay, let's just, you know, play this speech for 40 minutes and, you know, call it a day. Because he really lays it all out, you know, yeah. in 1966. And I think that when we saw the full speech, it was pretty immediate that Regina, our editor, and yes. me who were looking at it, yeah. were like, oh, this is the beginning of the film. Yeah. You've touched on uh, several of the individuals who are interviewed and who pop up um, throughout the film. I and mean, you must have had fun visiting these labs, Down Charpentier, Zhang, Barangu, yeah. Francisco, Mojica. So yes. you went to Alicante, did yes, you? Yes, we did. Uh, we did, yeah. yeah. Paid the pilgrimage to uh, the Salt Lakes. So, uh, yeah, we went there with, with Francis, yeah. which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and George Church, you mentioned. Yes. So 
any difficulty in getting these people to work with you or uh, it seems like they're all pretty animated on camera, especially Rodolf and uh, Fyodor Urnov, who pops up repeatedly during the film. Yeah, Fyodor is amazing. And we actually ended up doing two interviews with Fyodor. And I believe the first one was like five or six hours. So, you know, a lot of patience on Fyodor's part. Yes. Um, No, I mean, people were amazingly generous with their time. Um, To to make a film like this, where you really kind of capture the the personalities of these scientists, which was really important to us. You know, we had to to do fairly long interviews and kind of explore a lot of different areas. Yeah. So people were, you know, just the interview would be yeah. two to five hours, and then yeah. you know, often we were poking around their labs with yes. cameras and stuff. So yeah. it was it was a lot, but people were really willing. Yeah. All that said, you also presumably made the decision not to spend time talking about patents or IP or or who really invented uh, CRISPR gene editing. Yeah. All of that could you could have gone there, but you chose not to. I'm guessing. Is yes. That, is that was that, Very that was a conscious consciously? Thing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a big part of it was our executive producer Elliot, who I've mentioned a few times. Yeah. You know, at some point we were debating this you know, whether to, to get into that at all. Yeah. And he said something along the lines of, you know, right now, mainstream coverage of CRISPR is all about yeah. this patent. And in 10 or 15 years, it's going to be all about what has happened right. in medicine and right. agriculture and all these places where it's about to have this huge impact. And in a hundred years, you know, who knows yeah. what we'll be looking back and talking about. So I I mean, I think we tried to approach this almost as if, you know, CRISPR, I think, is a technology that's on the level of the transistor or the TCP IP protocol or whatever you would call like the fundamental technology Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. makes the internet possible, HTML or something like that. I mean, in a a different, totally different realm, but it's this technology that has so many different applications and the way people are taking Cas9 and modifying it. So it's not just cutting DNA, it's changing the epigenetic Mm -hmm. markers. It's all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is an amazing, amazing enabling technology. Mm -hmm. And I think we were trying to look at the film, you know, like, wow, what if you were there when the personal computer was first, the first ones were rolling off the assembly line. You know, people were there and did make Mm -hmm. films, but we felt like we were really honored to have the opportunity to tell this Mm -hmm. story about this technology at the time where it's still happening and everything's so fresh in everyone's mind. And so the patent, you know, I I don't want to minimize the importance of that stuff. And I think who's going to make money off of this and benefit and what that might mean about, you know, their point of view and are people biased and do people have vested interests? You know, those are extremely important questions, but at a certain point you just have to draw a circle around what is going to be in your film and what isn't. And that was a big, you know, a clear thing that we just, I didn't want to spend three years, you know, flipping through patent filings (laughs) was a big, you know, a big part of it. It would have been. Yes. Um, You were making a film focused on CRISPR's uh, potential and promise and developing a new line of genetic therapy. You found a wonderful vehicle, this uh, young uh, African-American boy, your sickle cell patient. Presumably, again, was that a decision made early on that we need to showcase the patient's view 
So it's not just a bunch of scientists talking heads. We've got to, or did that, was that well, serendipitous? That's interesting. Actually, I, I feel like if anything, we kind of resisted that uh, showing the patient yeah. as, you know, we David appears pretty early in the film and, yeah. and he is an amazing kid. He's an amazing presence in the film. Yeah. He's so thoughtful and smart. So we had an amazing find there, but I think in my head, the idea of kind of like just using the medical applications to supposedly kind of pull at people's heartstrings, I, I resisted like as, yeah. as if that's a bit of a cliche maybe. But then, you know, I think there's reasons for those cliches. I think yeah. Yeah. for people who are coming at this topic without any science background, yeah. you want to know why should I care? Yes. And ultimately, a big part of the reason is that it's going to impact people yeah. like David. Yeah. So, you know, at a certain point, we realized we needed that piece and our producer, Meredith, found him. We wanted to focus on sickle cell. It's one of the first genetic diseases yeah. that's really where there's just amazing progress. And, yeah. you know, there's already clinical trials and already, at least it seems to be anecdotal. Yeah evidence yeah. that people have been cured with gene editing of this disease that's been you know horrible and neglected and affects millions of people worldwide so it was you know we kind of wanted to focus on something that was very present mm -hmm. and very tangible and meredith found david and he's in california right he's yeah he's in the bay area right. and he's a patient at stanford children's hospital right. so we actually kind of found him by going to the researchers who are working on sickle cell and gene editing and, right. and trying to find cures. Matthew Porteous. Matthew Porteous in this case uh, at Stanford. So we went to the researchers and sort of figured out, well, you know, they get cells from people who have this disease in the lab. They take blood cells and they test these gene therapies on them in a test tube. And David is one of the volunteers who provides yeah. his cells to that research. So we kind of traced it back all right. the way to David, right. and yeah, that's right. how we found him. Adam, you mentioned a minute ago uh, this idea of at some point you've got to draw a circle around your film, and uh, just presumably laying slightly outside that uh, circumference was the, the germline editing CRISPR baby furor that erupted late last year, I'm guessing when you were yeah. kind of in the middle of editing the film, but that was uh, you know, a massive, massive story. Yes. Um, did you give any pause to thinking we need to work this into the film in, in a bigger way? It gave us a lot of pause. Yeah. That happened in November, That's which right. was really as we were in the last two months of editing the film. Yeah. So it was pretty late in the game, yeah. but it was such, you know, such a big yeah. event that we definitely considered yeah. whether to address it, how to address it. Right. You know, I think what we decided is that, especially as more details came out, I mean, for one thing, this is, a, it's still an evolving story yeah. and we didn't want to, you know, in our rush to pay attention to this, you know, really pretty big story that's unfolding, yes. get it wrong in a film that's going right. to come out six to nine months later. Right. So that, that was part of it. But I right. think the more these details came out about exactly how this unfolded, yeah. I started to feel like this was more about medical ethics. Yeah. And, and what I mean is medical ethics that no one is yeah. disputing that for example i think almost everyone would agree that you should inform parents you know if they're signing up for some kind of yeah. clinical trial they should really understand what they're getting into and yeah. what risks there are for their children or whatever and a lot of that stuff seems to have just been totally ignored in this case yeah. which is terrible but i think what our film explores is a different question which is 
let's take it for granted that if germline editing is something that, you know, that we're going to explore as a species, so to speak, let's take for granted that we're going to do it in an, you know, a careful, regulated, ethical way where, you know, everyone involved is consenting and knows, you know, knows what's happening. And and we're, we're really, you know, cautious of the risks and benefits. Like, let's take that for granted. Do we want to go there at all? You know, do we want to, step in the direction of, right. of, you know, in essence, changing our own evolution. I think that's the big question. And that's the question that we're exploring in the film. Yeah. And what happened in China was, I mean, it seems at this point to really be kind of a rogue scientist trying to do something before anyone else to yeah. get famous. Yeah. And, you know, that's terrible. And that kind of thing is always going to happen, unfortunately, I yeah. think. We have a review of the film uh, Human Nature in the Liverpool issue of the Christopher Journal, written by our managing editor, Courtney Klotz, just, uh, just got Fantastic. a PhD. Um, and she loved the film. But as somebody coming from a sort of more of a, a plant background, sort of said, I think, kind of longingly, I wish there had been a bit more kind of ag bio discussion. Yeah. And it's been noticeable that in the last little period, some of the principles, including two in your film, Barangu and uh, Dalma, have both predicted that they feel this is where CRISPR is actually going to have the biggest yes. societal impact. So again, were you faced with a tough decision as to how to balance the film, or is that just a subject that you're going to leave for another day? Well, uh, yeah, I think we, I mean, we decided not to get into the GMO, weeds of the GMO yeah. debate, yeah. for sure, but we do explore agriculture in the film yeah. in kind of a much more broad sense. Yeah. We have a section that deals with, you know, the nine or 10,000 year history of agriculture, right. Which goes back to the title of the film, Human Nature, yes. and sort of this idea of what's natural and what's yeah. unnatural. We're learning a ton about the history of agricultural crops yeah. because of genetics, yeah. you know, because we can compare the domesticated version of something to the wild species that it started from before humans were selecting and breeding. And it's telling us a lot about what changed and how much it changed. And, you know, when you think about just run-of-the-mill farming in that sense of, you know, these living species on the planet that have been, you know, their genomes have been shifted in a particular direction by humans. Mm. I think, Mm. you know, is that natural? Mm. I mean, what could be more natural than, you know, uh, an ear of corn? But actually, it's quite an odd Frankenstein of a plant when you see this uh, teosinte, I think it's called, this grass that it was, you know, selected from many, many thousands of years ago. So we felt like that piece of not just agriculture, but, you know, humanity's potential to change the biosphere in all kinds of ways. You know, we also touch on some ideas that people have about using CRISPR to modify wild species, not livestock or crops, but things like mosquitoes and coral. And some of that, you know, has really laudable goals. Addressing climate change is is a big thing that's that's discussed in conservation. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so we we touch on those things. Um you know, yeah, yeah, I wish, of course, you know, I, if I could have made a four-hour film. <laughs> but, you know, on a practical level, we knew that people weren't going right. to sit in the theater right. that long. So um, There are some amazing graphics in the film. There was one in particular where you sort of, you've got a bird's eye view of Cas9 
I'm guessing, sitting inside the cell, looking up as a virus. Yes. Almost like a spider lurking, waiting for its uh, yes. prey to land. That really made me go, oh my God, I've never kind of, that was great. Who did those, uh, who did those visuals? Ned Piedarkorn okay. did all of our motion graphics uh-huh. and effects and yeah. titles. And um, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. We, we you worked with before? We, yeah, I've, I've worked with Ned before and our editor, Regina Sobel, uh-huh. had worked with him a bunch. Right. So she brought him into okay. the project. And usually, in, at least in documentaries that I've worked on, yeah. usually the graphics is a little bit of an afterthought. Yeah. You know, you kind of make the structure of the film yeah. and then you kind of plug yeah. graphics in where you need to yeah. illustrate something. But we knew when we started this film that we were trying to tell a story about something that's invisible. Cast 9, these repeats in DNA, all this stuff takes place in this kind of microscopic world. So... We wanted to bring that to life in a evocative way, mm. but in a way that was also informed by mm. what we know about mm. how these molecules really look and move and, you know, what they do. Mm. And so we brought Ned into the process very early to just kind of explore just mm. in a very creative, right. freewheeling way, right. you know, different ways we could represent DNA and, and yeah. how to create this kind of language yeah. that I think very effectively, thanks to Ned's brilliance, it creates an experience where I think for non-scientists watching the film, everything is clear and also kind of immersive. You know, these aren't just like textbook illustrations. They're really art pieces. Mm. And I mean, it's really beautiful, yeah. especially when you see it in a theater. Yeah. So, you know, for the non-scientists, they're clear and they explain a lot. But I think for scientists, there's a lot of detail there, actually, that if you really know yeah. about how CRISPR works yeah. and all this stuff, you know that that really is what Cas9 looks like. The way we represent it in the film right. is very much based on these protein X-ray crystallography right. or whatever techniques that allow you to see that. So, you know, we wanted this real sense that this was not just something we were making up about this, that this is real. It's a real thing. It was an excellent part of the film. So people must be itching to know, I hope they're itching to know, when are they going to have a chance to see it? So what's the distribution or release plan? How does it work? How do you move from film festival uh, panel discussion (laughs) to uh, mainstream streaming service or master cable channel? I wish I knew all the steps. I'm still (laughs) kind of learning as I go a little bit. But luckily we're working with some some people who know more about all that than I do. Okay. But um, basically, yeah, we've had an amazing run at a few film festivals with a few more to come. Um, If people are interested, they can go to humannaturefilm.com and see screenings that are coming up. Or more importantly, sign up, you know, if you want to get information about when the film is more widely available. And at this point, we know we're going to have a theatrical release in Canada later this year and also in the U.S. We don't know exactly yet which cities and, and, you know, the exact dates. But if you go to the website, you can get on the mailing list. and, And also, I mean, honestly, you know, a big part of why we made this film was to show that you could make a really entertaining, human, funny, emotional, nerdy, beautiful film about science. And so I hope if anyone's like in favor of that, um, (laughs) I hope you'll enjoy our film. And I hope you'll sign up to find out more just because, you know, for better or worse, that's such a big part these days of how people decide whether something's worth putting out into the world. You kind of have to to have your audience before you even get there a little bit. So 
it's a busy media environment yeah. out there, but we really I, hope. I hope the guidepost audience is a big part of the word of mouth campaign. I'm sure it will be. Well, we'd be um, grateful. Yeah. So what are you doing for an encore? Do you, have you given yourself any time to think ahead to the, if these things take years to gestate, uh, you must have something moving away, uh, I'm guessing. Really? I mean, it almost feels like this interview is the first chance I've had <laughs> to even kind of think about yeah. Why we did what we did for the last yeah. three years. Yeah, I'm, I'm quickly learning that getting the film, editing the film is just half the battle right. and getting it out into the right. world is a whole other job. Right. So right. we're just kind of starting like a whole other phase yeah. of the life of this film. Well, Adam, it's been uh, great to meet you. Congratulations on human nature and uh, best of luck with the film. Kevin, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.